you'd stand with us for the reading of the word. Great to see everybody, my brothers and my sisters. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Brother Nathaniel, if I could get just a little bit more monitor, I will save their ears and I will save my throat. Hallelujah. We're going to start reading in verse number 13. Somebody said, Pastor, we've already been here for an hour. That's okay. We don't have any other services today. It's been two weeks, so why don't I just preach for a good part of the day? Is that all right, Brother Wheeler? Look at verse 13. The Apostle Paul, writing to this incredible church, Thessalonica, he said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, anytime you see the word asleep, it's talking about people that have physically died. But not spiritually died. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Talking about the grieving of somebody that passes away. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's echoed in the book of Jude. First seen by Enoch, that the Lord would return with ten thousands of his saints. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. It's talking about the resurrection of the dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That is categorized and cataloged for us in a more detailed fashion in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. But notice verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Then we which are alive and remain. I want to talk to us for just a few moments this afternoon about survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. Let's put our Bibles down. I know we prayed a bunch and worshiped the Lord here together, but let's lift our voices and lift our hands and let's pray as The word of God goes forth here today. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for the abundance of your presence, your glory. You loadeth us daily with benefits. Hallelujah. I cannot tell it all, but I want to give you the praise and the glory. God, I want to receive the word of God with faith today. Father, I pray it fall on fertile ground. I pray, oh God, that it fall on faithful hearts. God, I pray that it's on ears that are ready to hear. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. This section over here say amen. amen. This section here say amen. Way back over there, say amen. You may be seated. Man, I like that pastor. He's different. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know how different. (laughs) Good to see Brother Richard back there. No, it's good to see you. Hallelujah. One of the rules of biblical hermeneutics, I just did a devotional yesterday with my faithful assistant, Brother Jordanian. We did one on hermeneutics 101. It's not very technical. Uh, I'll be doing a part two of that also. 
One of the rules of biblical interpretation is the rule of redundancy. There are three main rules, there's many rules of hermeneutics, and depending on which biblical scholar you listen to, um, they can just go on ever and ever and ever. What's so amazing is, is even with the agreed upon first several rules of interpretation, it's amazing how many denominational people come up with different results. I won't elaborate on that, but I think you already know what I'm trying to say. The first rule that is never violated and never superseded is the law of context. When Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of God, that cannot be overruled by any other scripture, any other time, any other place that sets a fundamental foundational context about being born again of water and spirit. Just an example. The very next principle is uh, the rule of first usage or the, or the rule of precedent, which means the first time that something is introduced um, in the Word of God that it has a tendency, more often than not. It sets a rule and a pattern for every other occurrence uh, that it is used. And then you have the rule of redundancy or the rule of repetition. Which means that if something is repeated over and over in Scripture, it is absolutely an ironclad, an ironclad doctrinal perspective of Scripture. You can't, you can't cherry pick and try to go around it. For example, um, where Jesus, I'm sorry, where Peter preaches in Acts 2.38 and commands them to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, and then they're baptized in Jesus' name in the name of the Lord Jesus in Acts 8. They are, named, they are baptized in Jesus' name in Acts 10, and they are baptized in Jesus' name in Acts 19. You don't need any other scriptures about baptism to say, how were they baptized? It's like, it's like you are not understanding the rules and the laws of um, interpretation of scripture. It should be very clear to people, but here again, we're living in a world of choices, and people choose to be wrong on many things all the time. Well, this particular passage of Scripture falls into not just the rule of precedence, but the rule of redundancy. Because just in several Scriptures, the Apostle Paul mentions this phraseology twice. If you would look at verse number 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, that the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. He, he repeats that phraseology in verse number 17. Then we which are alive and remain. Which means that is giving us an understanding. It is, it's inviolate. You cannot violate that. That there are going to be some people that are alive and remain at the time of what is commonly known as the rapture. It's been called many things through uh, the centuries, the catching away of the church, the rapture of the church. Of course, none of, none of those, neither one of those are biblical phrases. However, it's obvious that something is going to take place here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them that are in the clouds. I was talking about the first resurrection that is described in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, that will be of the dead. And then the church, they which are alive and remain, shall be resurrected, and we will be resurrected together. We'll meet them. We'll join them in the air. That's going to be a wonderful occasion. Don't miss it. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm not going to miss that for the devil. I'm not going to miss that for sin. I'm not going to miss That's why I got in this. Hallelujah. What's interesting to us, first you have biblical hermeneutics, which is you have apologetics, homiletics, hermeneutics. Apologetics is the defense of the Bible. Homiletics is a preparation, an ordered study of the Bible, either preaching, teaching, Bible study, so on and so forth. Hermeneutics is the science of interpretation, but then you have textual criticism, and that's really where it separates the geeks from the people that have the Holy Ghost. And somebody said amen. amen. 
Then you get into word studies, and it's called eisegesis and exegesis, which is the study of phraseology and words of the Word of God. And in textual criticism, you have two schools. You have literalists that try to interpret exactly what Jesus said and what it meant, and then you had people that said, no, that's not what he meant. He uses phrases, and they try to interpret what he really meant. And so you have these two schools that are constantly uh, in opposition. Did you believe that most scholars still believe that the King James Version is the most accurate of any English translation? Even with all of its these and thous and so on and so forth. That's why we, man, if it was good enough for Peter, I think it should be good enough for pastors. If it's good enough for Peter, I think it's good enough for Pastor. Man, this is a tough crowd today. This word alive is self-explanatory. We have been quickened. We're alive. Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 5, awake to righteousness. But it's this word remain that I want to spend the next several moments talking about. We which are alive and remain, the direct English translation of the word remain is survive. And I thought it was interesting in preparation for this this morning. You know, where great things are placed upon us. And, you know, you got to wear a mask. And you got to do this and you got to do that. You got to do this and you got to do that. All these inconveniences and all our way of American way of life has been greatly inconvenienced. And we're having to do all this. This ain't nothing. Pastor, you're scaring us. Well, we need to read the Bible. I know that we would all like to be on the first caboose out of here where we don't even get a scratch, a headache. But to them that are alive and survived... Charles Darwin made several incredible claims with his origin of species that revolutionized the world. The world had already grown tired of denominational Christianity, mainline Christianity. And when the origin of species was written, it offered people that were on the fence that did not want to be mainline denomination. At the turn of the previous century, there was only nine denominations in America. Most of them were the big the big leaguers that came out of the Reformation period, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Church of Christ, several others, they were the only denominations in America at the turn of the previous century. But when the Origin of Species was written and released by Charles Darwin, who was a theorist, this, it's all theory, it, was, it offered people the opportunity to get off the fence on not really buying into the form of Christianity that they had seen, which was lacking the power of the Holy Ghost, which was lacking any true godly definition and convictions. It was denominational. It was probably good people that, that read the Bible, but they didn't have the author and the finisher. I want to tell you, and where I'm going to go with this biblical interpretation stuff um, in our morning devotions is if you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have the greatest biblical translation within you because you have the author and the finisher. But you actually got to read the Bible and pray to employ that, to take advantage of that. It's incredible. But there were two things that Darwin posited that supported his theory. And one was natural selection. He had to go to the Galapagos Island to find an environment that would support his theory. 
And he found, of all the, the strange creatures that are there, he found a certain species of finch. Of finch. It was a small bird. And among the finches that were on Galapagos Island, some had elongated beaks that were specifically designed to break the, the, the housing of, of a seed so that they could extract the seed that was inside this housing and, and get the kernel out or to get the seed out. There were other finches that did not have the elongated beak. Charles Darwin posited that in order for the finch to survive as a speech, species, that the environment required that there would be a, an adjustment to the beak of these birds that could crack open the shell and extract the seed. And so he posited that the finches that did not have this elongated beak would finally pass off the scene because they could not adapt to their environment. And the finches that had the elongated beaks would survive because they were, they were able to perform this. This was the basis of his entire theory of evolution, that man will adapt to his environment. And the second part of natural selection, listen to me, I'm going somewhere. I know this is just a book report part of this, but it all ties into this. There is a second part of this, and that he said, not only is natural selection absolutely required for any species in the earth to adapt to its environmental changes, but it also sets up an environment for the survival of the fittest. And that means that there are some animals that were, will survive because they were able to adapt to their environment, and there are some animals that will pass away because they could not make that shift. They couldn't make that change. They couldn't, they couldn't adapt to a changing environment. And so these two theories, more strongly on the natural selection, um, and I mean, this, this, this doctrine of evolution is absolutely, it's, it's foolhardy. I mean, it's foolish to think uh, that there is no God, and presto changeo, we just evolved from some single-cell amoeba. Okay, I don't have time to explore that. I'd love to. I'm fascinated with all that, but it's a bunch of malarkey. But the part of this that is true is the survival of the fittest. We see this not only in fauna, but we see it in flora. You will see that some seeds in the, in the forest where they will, seeds will germinate um, at the foot of a towering tree. And because there is no sunlight that filters through, that is required for photosynthesis, that plant will not survive. But that same seed that falls into a clearing where sunlight, even if it's only for a small part of the day, and it's able to articulate photosynthesis with the operation of sunlight and gamma rays and beta rays and, and the evaporative cycle, it produces an environment of life where that same tree can exist. In the animal kingdom, predators are not after the strongest animals. They may, they may, they may lust after them because they look uh, like they would be the best to eat. But they already know. A cheetah already knows. I would much rather find a wounded and a disabled gazelle than to go after an adult, well-formed, well-developed gazelle. Survival of the fittest is the law of the jungle. The weak, the feeble, and the diseased are the very first ones to be taken out. And it's God's way of keeping the strong and the virile to reproduce and to perpetuate that species. The Bible even tells us in 1 Peter chapter number 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil may come over here uh, to Sister Danny, and um, because the devil's got a few notes on her life, comes over and starts messing with her a little bit. She rises to the occasion. She don't go to the bar. She don't get on drugs. She doesn't backslide and suck her thumb 
because things are getting tough. She finds a place to prayer. She goes ahead and gets a backbone. And the devil says, I ain't messing with that one. But the devil, that same devil, will come over here on a pew where he finds a young person looking at internet pornography and talking about leaving the church and talking about messing around. And they start ganging up on him. And they start working on that one. I want to tell you what. It's survival of the fittest. I am not going to miss the rapture. I am not going to miss this. Let's go ahead and clap our hands and give God the praise. It's time to hang up our hang-ups and lift our hands and lift our voices and say, I don't want nobody feeling sorry for me. I'm in the church of the living God. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Well, the pastor just don't understand. He's always got shiny shoes, has a nice truck to, man, where was you 26 years ago when I had holes in my socks, holes in my pockets, probably a hole in my head for coming here with not more going on than a little can of Crisco. But I got a big God. God loves to patch up holes and then start filling that pocket, start filling that gas tank, start filling those cupboards, start filling that refrigerator, start filling that. Somebody help me out right now. If you'll start obeying God, God's going to bless your socks off. God needs the advertisement. No, I'm fighting big devils. But see, I don't want to articulate through actions, words, or behavior that that devil is getting to me. Pastor, you just don't know how I've got it. Yeah, I know how you got it. But God's got more faith in you than you've got in yourself. But see, if you'll find that special place, and then you'll start letting his faith Help your faith. You'll find out the greater is he that's in me than the dog that's talking to me, than the dog that's telling me I'm going to backslide, than the dog that's trying to tempt me. Come on, somebody. I did not get in this to backslide. I did not get in this to give up. I, I got in this to go up. I didn't get in this to shut up. I didn't get in this to shut down. I didn't get in this to sit down. Somebody clap your hands. You are going to see with your own eyes the survival of the fittest. Pastor, where's Brother So? I don't know where he's at. You know how hard it is to text 350 people every week and check on on you, see how you're doing? I can't do it. I love you. Please don't be offended. I haven't got a text from the pastor. I think I'll find another church, dude. I, what are you going to do when we're running a 1,000? <laughs> Pastor had not changed my diaper. He doesn't love me. I do love you. I got more diapers to change. I'll get around over there. I'm texting people that used to flick the cigarette and came out of a bar and been fighting spirits and are on the edge. You that are strong ought to be saying, Pastor, I'll pray with you. Pastor, I'll fast with you. Pastor, I'm in it with you. You're not going to worship by yourself. You're not going to sacrifice by yourself. You're not going to pray by yourself. Is this okay? I don't mean to stand right in front of you guys. You're probably thinking, man, the pastor's trying to preach to us. Just let me go over here and stand in front of these people. In the hour in which we're living... I was talking to a guy yesterday that's lived for God a, a lot longer than I am. And he started talking to him about the church, and the church offended him, and he never came here, went to another church, and the church offended him, and, and just was sour in his spirit. I want to tell you something. 
you need to understand, no, 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 no. This is no hour to get bitter. This is no hour to get ugly. This is no hour to pet my resentments. This is no hour to be ugly. I, I, I want to make it in the rapture. We're closer than we, we ever believed we were. This is what I've been hoping for. This is what I've been looking for. This is what, come on, somebody, clap your hands and give God the praise. Oftentimes, we can look at certain people and say, man, I know that they're spiritually strong, not realizing that you're sitting right next to a person that has come through the valley of the shadow of death. Let's lift our hands and pray right now. Let's pray for one another. God, I pray for your spirit of strength and encouragement on this body. There's people out there that have become isolated either because it's been self-imposed or whatever reason they have isolated themselves from the greater context of the body of Christ. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, this know also that in the last days, can somebody please tell me where we are? We're in the last days. Perilous times shall come. The word perilous there means dangerous. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 26. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. God is allowing this world to be shaken. God allows entire churches to be shaken. God allows families to be shaken. God allows individuals to be shaken. For the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may survive. feel like a survivor you know can I just talk to you are you ready for this no you're not ready for this are you ready for this no you're not ready for this you know when I got saved my pastor did a great job from the word of God of teaching us how to overcome the world how to overcome the flesh how to overcome the devil. But life had to teach me how to overcome people. You ready for this? I'm not asking Noah because he's always ready. He's instant in season, out of season, and when there ain't no season. That's all right. He may shake his generation to the ground if the Lord tarries. I think the hardest thing to deal with in this life is people. Oh, yeah, we love you, Pastor. <laughs> oh, sister, I love you. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Yeah. If you make it into heaven with arrows and daggers and spears in your back, heaven will be chief, chief at any price. But see, this is where some people can't handle this. It took me a long time to be, there's, there's, somebody, there's somebody in this church, God brought you here today just to hear what I'm about to say. And the devil has taken advantage of all the hurts and the injustices. I want to tell you, there are so, the longer I live, Sister Casey, the more I recognize there are so many ironies. Iron. Backbone to be able to.
I don't care if you, I don't care if you just walk through the goalposts of glory with a sword in your back and your reputation mired with certain people. Nothing and nobody is worth missing the rapture. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. Somewhere you got to forgive. I know it's not easy. Trust me. I know. I know. I know. In many things we offend all. But it's survival of the fittest. Let's lift our hands and just pray for a minute. I feel like the Holy Ghost just, just, just wants to talk. I, you know what I feel right now? I feel like God just wants to wrap his arms around somebody and say, See, I've been telling you this already. I've been talking to you about this already. Offenses are going to come. It hurts, and it hurts bad. Nobody could write the textbook on how to create enemies like Jesus Christ. How do you create enemies? Just be perfect. Just be what you're supposed to be. Just love God, love the Father, and obey the Word. You're going to have enemies. Having enemies is a normal part of life. I didn't think any of that stuff was in this church. I remember one guy, he turned out to be a real clown. Man, it's the church. You guys ain't supposed to have that stuff. In I want to tell you what. If God was to rake back the covering, there's all kinds of stuff sitting here today. You, know, you want to know why God is allowing some of that stuff to sit there? Because it's working on you. Because you're going to be a survivor. We want to, oh, we want, we want sainthood 101. We want that glistening robe where we're untouchable. And we're gliding through the halls of heaven, sitting in heavenly places. And there's no devil that gets up between my ears. And there's no arrow that finds that special place, that special mark where I have to deal with bitterness. When you get out of here, all of those angels are going to say, because the same thing that you overcame, it took out about a hundred others. <laughs> there, 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 there. Another country, another place, another city, another state, another place, another time, another time zone. They went through the same thing, and it took them out. But you're a survivor. Let's praise God. God allows things to be shaken. Every once in a while, and I know it's coming, and as a pastor, I can't stop it. It's like, God, please, please. And God says, you... Sit down, get out of the way. I'm going to shake this church. After a great revival, we've had, we've, this church has had incredible growth. But with incredible growth, there comes a great shaking. You ever get a hold of a tree and just shake it real good just because you can? How many people over, ever knocked over an anthill and disrupted 10,000 ants? You're mean. Do you hear me? I've done it more times than I, oh, look, there's an ant pile. <laughs> One of those little dudes gets between your. God, like God's going to get a hold of a church and just shake it and watch what falls. Somebody that had great fruit several years ago and was a superstar in a local church, but now they hit the ground with a thud. Over here is part of a branch. It was dead and just hanging on. Over here is a group of leaves. Mistletoe was artificial. Scaffolding in the church fell to the ground, hit with a thud. 
another piece of fruit over here that maybe many years ago was looked up at an example to other fruit, but now it hits the ground with the thud. It happens in a church. God spoke to me in our last building. We were over on Broadway, and we, our parking lot looked like a third world country. Now, if you're from a third world country, and I'm not trying to offend you, but what that simply means is everybody just parked wherever they wanted to park. It looked like SpaghettiOs. <laughs> and we grew that we maxed that building out. But when we maxed that building out, there were people that had never blown a fuse that started blowing a fuse. And God revealed to me that once you've reached capacity, now he's going to work on purity. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. But you know what? I ain't going nowhere. Let's lift our hands and give him the praise. Survival of the fittest. Survive. You got to go through stuff to be a survivor. You got to have some rough waters, some dark days. You got to have a knife in your back. You got to have a Judas in your life. I'm preaching to some people here today. I'll do anything I can to help you. I'll pray with you. I'll fast with you. We'll hug you. We'll love on you a little bit. We'll have a Bible study. We'll do whatever we need to do. But the bottom line is, you got to remain. Well, pastor, the church, I remember one guy, Pastor, I remember when I got in this, man, we'd run in the aisles, and I love all that. But do you want to know what my favorite kind of a deal to do? My favorite deal to do is not walk in the aisles. I'm now a senior citizen and on Medicare, so I get to walk the aisles. Some of you young characters over here, you guys ought to be running laps around me. Well, we ain't got nothing to run for. The fact you're sitting here. The fact your name is written there. The fact that you're going. Aren't you? I'm a senior citizen now. But I'm... I'm not going to act like it. I'm not going to sound like it. Nothing wrong with senior citizens. I'm going to get crucified before I get out of here today, and I'm trying to preach to you. You just got to make up in your mind that the, I don't have a family member that's going to take me out of here. You know, the devil, he just, he just, God wants to know. I'm going to tell you who a survivor was. The Apostle Paul was a survivor. Second Corinthians. Listen to this. You're thinking, man, he was called to God. One of the greatest minds of the entirety of the, the entirety of the word of God was the Apostle Paul, considered to be in the top ten most brilliant men that ever lived. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Help me out, brother. Um, verse number 23. This is the Apostle Paul. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. That's, a, that's an old English word for often. Verse 24. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Five times. The Apostle Paul was given 39 stripes. Verse 25, three times was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I suffered shipwreck, 
A night and a day have I been in the deep. That means he was floating on a piece of water with nothing solid to hang on to. Verse 26. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of, by mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Verse 27. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. And this is not talking about fasting because you need an answer from God. This is talking about because he had nothing to eat, in cold and in nakedness. Next verse. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He never let any of those things hinder him in his responsibility to the church. Next verse. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. You could write your own list. Yeah, you've been lied about. Yes, you've been talked about. Your reputation's been sawn asunder. Yes, you went through this trial. Yes, you skinned your knees on that chapter. But you are here today. You are a survivor. You have remained. You are here. You are alive. You are looking to the hastening of your exit from this world. Somebody clap your hands and give him the praise. By the time we all get out of here, we all are going to be able to add our own list. I'm telling you, as I look, and, and I'm just... I'm just voicing what I think everybody in this room, if you've been living for God at all, could, could voice the exact same thing. As I look over the last 26 years of being in Spokane, I shake my head over some things. I said, man, how in the world did we as a young, little, vulnerable little plant of a church, how did we ever survive that? The surviving part is really God's part. Because through every deal, God's saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. Don't focus on the waves. Don't focus on the winds. Don't focus on... I remember one time, we, uh, we had only been here for several months. And um, my wife grabbed all the bills in the house. And I can already feel in my spirit that there's some men that have already experienced this. My wife grabbed all the bills that were due. And she looked at me and said, what are we going to do about this? I was already lower than a snake's belly in a wagon wheel right in West Texas. And now my wife's waving all the bills at me, a home missionary, saying, what are we going to do about these? I'll never forget this as long as I live. I said, I'm going to pray and slam the door. Man, I got a devil on this shoulder, a devil on this shoulder, a devil right here. And now my beautiful wife is making a face at me, waving bills. <laughs> I went to the church. We had a store, commercial storefront on Sprague Avenue, and I just fell right into the altar. And I just started weeping and praying. No magic wand, Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> razzmatazz, abracadabra. Come home after weeping and praying. My wife said, honey, you won't believe what happened. She got my attention. Somebody from the church stopped by and gave us some money. You don't think God can do that stuff. 
Maybe God's waiting for you to quit looking at your other options that aren't even really options. Start looking at the only option. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. God's waiting till he's the only option, and then he'll rend the heavens. As long as you got these little toys and these little options. I'm about ready to wrap this thing up. Revelation chapter 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Next verse. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. Whenever you hear, hear Jesus use that word thief, hermeneutically speaking, it's talking about coming as a thief in the night. He'll come at a time that you know not. And you'll know not what hour I shall come upon thee. Next verse. Let's stand. Strengthen the things which have survived. Some of you, there are some people under the sound of my voice. I want you to listen to me carefully. There are some people under the sound of my voice that you are a great survivor. You have a testimony. You are a warrior. The angels look at you like you're a warrior. And in this particular church, in the seven churches of Asia Minor, they have already gotten to the place either they got tired, they got carnal, they got sloppy, and they started letting go a few things. That the edge of conviction to begin to dull, the passion and desire that had built the fires, the perpetuated growth and development and brought them to the place where they were, had now grown cold to where Jesus is saying, strengthen the things which have survived. I'm asking the musicians to come. We're going to go ahead and open up this altar. Pastor, what are we going to do about this pandemic? I have no idea. I don't have an answer for you. We're just going to continue to be the church. I know we, we just bought a building. I know we're going to continue to have revival. We are going to continue to grow. We are going to continue to roll on. But we are going to be survivors. There are things, Elder, that have already taken out people that you know. If you could look through the hallway of time through your life, other people just became victims, threw in the towel. The bitterness became intolerable. The love for the world, the Demases, the Judases that stuck a knife in our back. They're all there. But you're a survivor. They, which are alive and survived. This altar's open. Why don't we come and find a place to pray? May God endue every family, every young person, every child, every marriage, every middle-aged saint of God, every elder, every precious gray-haired saint. May God give you the strength to hear him say, well done. Let's pray. We're going to just keep on rolling. Next Sunday, we're just going to put the pedal to the metal and keep right on rolling. But it's time to strengthen the things which remain. If there's somebody here today that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'd get it. I'd get into this altar and I'd say, Jesus, I need your spirit. I need your power. 
I've repented of my sins. I'm ready to be baptized and I, I want the Holy Ghost. Or you need to repent. This is the time to do it. You need to pray through. This is the hour to do it. You need to drive your stakes down and strengthen the things which remain. It's time to do it. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's come and pray. Let's come and pray. Let's come and pray. Let's sing a song. Who loves me? I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to be a casualty of revival. I want to understand we're talking about eternity. Come on, God is here. The angels of God are here. The promises of the Word of God are here. The encouragement of His presence is here. 